Hello and welcome to the Books by Old Dead Guys podcast. I'm David. And I am Scott. And you're listening to episode number 18. 18. 18. How about that? So last time on the podcast, uh, we talked a bit about, uh, well, Baxter, I should say, talked a bit about uh, some pastors who were making either three or six times uh, the annual salary of a, a craftsman in that day. And talked about, uh, Baxter talked about how um, much more ministry could be done if a portion of that salary were put to hiring an assistant, uh, employing some other folks in order to see more ministry being done. Uh, and he talked about the value of that and, and gave some uh, rather firm statements mm, uh, on yes, uh, on some on what the uh, the the excuses for not doing that would be. And one, so, one might say he droppeth the hammer. <laughs> indeed. Indeed mm. he did. Mm. And so uh, this this week, he's going to turn us in a bit of a different direction. So I'm going to turn it over to Scott, who's going to do our reading for today. Yeah, man. So, yep. So still a little raspy with the voice, but, but I've kind of hit that point now where I've got the deep voice going. Mm. So, you know, that's, which I, I enjoy. I, I find myself jealous of either guys with really deep voices or guys with Scottish accents. So, mm. unfortunately, you don't get a Scottish accent from the flu. So, here we go. All right. So, I'm going to reread the very last little paragraph that David read last week to kind of overlap a little bit. Here's what he says. While it is our duty to take heed to all the flock, we must pay special attention to some classes in particular. By many, this is very imperfectly understood. Therefore, I shall dwell a little upon it. I like his positive there. This is very imperfectly understood. In other words, some folks don't have a clue. (laughs) So, here are the classes that we should pay attention to in particular. One, we must labor in a special manner for the conversion of the unconverted. The work of conversion is the first and great thing we must drive at. After this, we must labor with all our might. Alas, the misery of the unconverted is so great that it calleth loudest to us for compassion. If a truly converted sinner do fall... It will be but into sin, which will be pardoned. And he is not in that hazard of damnation by it as others are. Not but that God hateth their sin as well as others, or that he will bring them to heaven, let them live ever so wickedly. But the spirit that is within them will not suffer them to live wickedly, nor to sin as the ungodly do. But with the unconverted, it is far otherwise. They are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And they have yet no part nor fellowship in the pardon of their sins, or the hope of glory. <coughs> Excuse me. We have, therefore, a work of greater necessity to do, or to, greater necessity to do, or them, even to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin, and an inheritance among them that are sanctified. He that seeth one man sick of a mortal disease, and another only pained with a toothache, will be moved more to compassionate the former than the latter, and will surely make more haste to help him, though he were a stranger and the other a brother or a son. It is so sad a case to see men in a state of damnation, wherein, if they should die, they are lost forever. Then methinks we should not be able to let them alone, either in public or private, whatever other work we have to do. Mm. I confess, I am frequently forced to neglect that which should tend to the further increase of knowledge in the godly because of the lamentable necessity of the unconverted. 
who is able to talk of controversies or of nice unnecessary points or even of truths of a lower degree of necessity how excellent soever while he seeth the company of ignorant carnal miserable sinners before his eyes who must be changed or damned methinks i even see them entering upon their final woe methinks i hear them crying out to help for speediest help their misery speaks the louder because they have not hearts to ask for themselves many a times i have known that I had some hearers of higher fancies that looked for rarities and were addicted to despise the ministry if I told them not somewhat more than ordinary. And yet I could not find in my heart to turn from the necessities of the impenitent for the humoring of them, nor even to leave speaking to miserable sinners for their salvation in order to speak to such novelists. No, nor so much as should otherwise be done to weak saints for their confirmation and increase in grace. Methinks, as Paul's spirit was stirred within him, when he saw the Athenians wholly given to idolatry, so it should be cast into one of his paroxysms to see so many men in the utmost danger of being everlastingly undone. Methinks, if by faith we did indeed look upon them as within a step of hell, it should more effectively untie our tongues than Croesus' danger if they tell us that his sons. He that will let a sinner go down to hell for want of speaking to him doth set less by souls than did the redeemers of souls, and less by his neighbor than common charity will allow him to do by his greatest enemy. Oh, therefore, brethren, whomsoever you neglect, neglect not the most miserable. Whatever you pass over, forget not poor souls that are under the condemnation and curse of the law, and who may look every hour for the infernal execution if a speedy change do not prevent it. Oh, call after the impenitent and ply this great work of converting souls, whatever else you leave undone. Mm. So the first group that, uh, that Baxter implores us to pay <coughs> special attention to is the unconverted, the unbeliever. Which honestly is radically different than most of the work that we're tempted to do in ministry, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You know, I, I heard one of my mentors in ministry told me early, I keep saying that, but it's true, that you will be amazed at how little, how hard it is to engage the unbeliever when you become a pastor because you end up spending most of your time with believers if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely the hardest group to engage because... I mean, the church is here, mm. you know, and it's it's not that unbelievers are not all around us, but it's it's a lot more readily apparent mm. that the parts of our job that are focused on the church yeah. are a lot more readily apparent, a lot more easy to see. Yep. You know, it's it's more it's more difficult for us sometimes to to see and understand what the how to even engage the unconverted how to even engage the unbeliever yeah you know how do we even go about doing that whereas you know being being a part of the church ministering to the church is so much easier to get your head around right you know? well and it's an expectations thing too yeah you know we spend a lot we we spend a lot of time here being kind of hard on pastors because the book is kind of hard on pastors, mm-hmm. but let me take just a moment and challenge church members. I don't know 
I'm sure that there are. I don't know many churches that live out the expectation that the local church pastor is going to spend more time with the people outside the church than inside it. Mm. I mean, you know, generally speaking, you know, one of the things the Lord has afforded me to do is the opportunity to work in church revitalization. And when you go into especially like a declining church, they're really not looking for a pastor who is committed to the evangelization of the lost. In many cases, and our church is not this, by the way, by the way, but in many cases, what the church is looking for is a caregiver or a chaplain, mm. or someone who will, as, as Paul would say, tickle their ears. They're mm. looking for someone who's going to take care of their perceived needs, which in this section, Baxter likens to seeing a person with a mortal wound, right? Like somebody's like missing an arm and they're laying on the side of the road, bleeding to death. And then there's a guy with a toothache. And, and instead of going to take care of the guy who's missing an arm, we, we, we pay all the attention to the guy with the toothache. And we don't like, I mean, look, as Christians, we don't like to think of our problems like that. Mm. But what problem do we have that is so great as the flames of hell? Mm. And that's the question Baxter's asking. And the answer is none. None. Yeah. What uh what do you reckon he uh he means when he starts talking about uh croesis? You know, that's a really great question. I don't know the answer to that question. I um but I was going to look up for us cuz I also don't know what the word paroxysm means. Mm. And so, you, you know, know what that means, a, David? We've got a segment for that. Ding. My voice is cracking. Ding. I can't get high. Ding. Hey, thanks, David. <laughs> and now it's time for the Puritan word of the day. The Puritan word of the day is paroxysm. Paroxysm means a sudden attack or violent expression of a particular emotion or activity. I've never heard that word in my life. <laughs> Neither have I. Apparently, I've read that word before because I've read this book a couple of times. <laughs> I've never used the word paroxysm in conversation. So let's read this sentence again. Here's what he says. Hold on. Where is it? Um, it starts with me thinking. Paul's spirit was stirred within him when he saw the Athenians wholly giving to idolatry, so it should cast us into one of his paroxysms. So he says that Paul was just had a sudden attack or violent express of emotion when he saw the Athenians, which is true. This is the Acts uh-huh. 17 thing, right? Like uh-huh. he was cut to the heart yeah. when he saw these people worshiping and he gets to this uh, this altar that says to an unknown god mm-hmm. right he's, he's just cut to the heart because he sees the lostness so that's a paroxysm it's a sudden attack or violent expression of a particular emotion or activity used in a sentence mm. the green bay packers <laughs> can often send me into a paroxysm mm. yeah mm. that's that's less holy than what baxter has in mind but still true. So that's a paroxysm. Now hold on. Let's see what Croesia oh, says. Oh man, we're getting, we're getting we're getting this is now it's time for feature. the it's time for the bonus Puritan word of the day. This Bing. is the Puritan Bing. story of the day, and this is about Croesia. All right, here's Wikipedia, the most reliable source on the internet. Mm. Got to be true, right? They're not going to put anything on the internet that isn't true. Croesia was renowned for his wealth. Herodotus and Pausanias noted that his gifts were preserved at Delphi. The fall of Croesus had a profound effect on the Greeks, providing a fixed point in their calendar. Mm. Croesus was a figure of myth, stood outside the conventional restraints of chronology. 
Let's see, what does that have to do? Caresius, Caresius danger? So More effectively on tire tongues than Caresius's danger? I don't still don't understand. We didn't. It sounds bad. I'm not sure I understand. Is he talking about losing wealth? Maybe. Hold on, was hold on. Caresius was a governor. Um, he attacked, let's see. Following his death rivalry with his brother, let's see, conquests. Um, man, I don't see. We might, we might have to. All right. Might have to let that. Let we might have to let go. that one go, dude. I don't. I mean, sometimes you read something and it just is like I don't know. This is one of those times for me. Yeah. If you, if you have more time, feel free to look up do Croesus. a further study of. Croesus. And you can catch us up on Sunday. You can come and tell me, hey, I learned about Croesus. Croes Croesus? Croesus. It's yeah. C-R-O-E-S-U-S. Yeah. Right. It would more effectively untie our tongue than Croesus Danger, as they tell us, did his sons. Okay. So apparently Croesus Danger untied his son's tongue. In other yes. words, made him willing to say some things. Made him willing to take a stand. I think that's kind of the context of the thing. Mm -hmm. Is that... that you know, if we really knew the danger that people were in um, and the risk that they ran of their heart stopping and then facing the judgment of God, then our tongues would not be tied. Like we would, we would be more intentional to talk to those people about the reason for our hope. Yeah. That's what he's getting at. Yeah. I just don't know who Croesus is. This was the Puritan words of, of the, the day. day. <laughs> Bing. Yes. Good job. David on the special effects. Well done. Yeah. Well, brother, do you uh, do you have any other points to add here? I don't think so. I wonder if we can get done with point two. Yeah, it's kind of short. It is kind of short. We're gonna. So Let's this go is, after. So the first group of people to whom we're supposed to pay special attention is the unconverted. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. The second group. Here we go. Number two. We must be ready to give advice to inquirers who come to us with cases of conscience, especially the great case which the Jews put to Peter. And the Galler to Paul and Silas, what must we do to be saved? A minister is not to be merely a public preacher, but to be known as a counselor for their souls, as a physician is for their bodies, and the lawyers for their estates, so that each man who is in doubts and straits may bring his case to him for resolution. As Nicodemus came to Christ, and as it was usual with the people of old to go to the priest, whose lips must keep knowledge, and it whose mouth they must ask the law, because he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as the people have become unacquainted with this office of the ministry, and with their own duty and necessity in this respect, it belongeth to us to acquaint them with it, and publicly to press them to come to us for advice about the great concerns of their soul. We must not only be willing to take the trouble, but should draw it upon ourselves by inviting them to come. What abundance of good might we do, could we but bring them to this? And doubtless much might be done in it if we did our duty. How few have I ever heard of who have heartily pressed their people to their duty in this way? Oh, it is a sad case that men's souls should be so injured and hazarded by the total neglect of so great a duty, and that ministers should scarcely ever tell them of it and awaken them to it. Were your hearers but duly sensible of the need and importance of this, you would have them more frequently knocking at your doors and making known to you their sad complaints and begging your advice. I beseech you then, 
Press them more to this duty for the future, and see that you perform it carefully when they do seek your help. To this end, it is very necessary that you be well acquainted with practical cases, and especially that you be acquainted with the saving, with the nature of saving grace, and able to, attri- to assist them in trying their state, and in resolving the main question that concerns their everlasting life or death. One word of seasonable, prudent advice given by a minister to persons in necessity may be of more use than many sermons. A word fitly spoken, says Solomon. How good is it? Mm. So the second group that he says we should give special attention to are those who need counsel. Those who need Yeah, this is counseling. a great word. I've got a dear brother that I want to send this part to who's, who's devoted his life to promoting biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. But man, isn't that true? Like yeah. I, You know, the, the best sermons that I've ever preached were probably first preached on somebody's couch, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, to sit down one-on-one and be able to have these conversations and work these things out. Like, it is amazing how much better your preaching gets over the years that you're in a church. And it's not because maybe you do get better as an orator. Maybe. That's possible. I hope that's the case. But I don't think that's primarily it. I think it's primarily because two things are happening. Number one, you've, you've given yourself to the care of people who know you love them and care for them. People are way more willing to listen to what you have to say if they know you love them. Hmm. They just are. People actually know you care. They're going to be more willing to listen. Right? And, and, and number two is that you know your people, and so you learn how to really sharpen the pencil, if you will, on application, where the application of your sermons is based on, is, is the overflow of the relationships that you have with your people, where you're counseling them, sitting down on the couch and weeping with them and talking through these problems, and people feel like they can come to you. I had a Navy chief that worked with me when I worked in the secular world, I was one of the most famous. He, he, would, he would walk around. I was young and trying to lead people, and I'd get so annoyed because people were grumbling about mm. my leadership. And the chief would come up, and he'd say, Grumbling sailor's a happy sailor. He used to drive me nuts. And I, I finally, I got frustrated with him, and I said, Chief, tell me what you what are you talking about? A grumbling sailor is a happy sailor. And he said, As long as I can hear people complaining, I'm not worried because people don't come to you. They don't come to you because either... They don't think you care, or they don't think you have a solution to the problem. When people come to you, you're probably leading. And I thought, man, it it was so encouraging. It's hard to apply, but it was so encouraging. And I think the same is true in ministry. Like, if no one ever calls you, there's a reason why. Hmm. You know, if you can go protracted weeks and months, I'm not talking about days, but I mean weeks and months in ministry and never hear from your people, there's a reason why, and it's not good. And that's what Paul, that's what Paul is, Paul, not Paul, Baxter. Baxter. That's what Baxter is getting after is we've got to be about the business of not just telling people, you know, it's like a, it's like a dinner invitation. A vague dinner invitation is never actually a dinner invitation. Like, you know that, you ever heard that? Like, you know, for me to say, Hey, you should come over to my house for dinner sometime. I'm not really inviting you over. I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. But it's not actually a dinner invitation. A dinner invitation is, hey, we're free on Thursday at 6 o'clock. Would you like to come over for dinner? Hmm. Right? There's a dramatic difference between those two things. And, and in ministry, it's the same thing. To tell people, I'm always available for you. It's not really making yourself available. 
making yourself available is let's go grab coffee Saturday morning or let's go get a bite to eat or hey can I call you on the way home from work you know that's making yourself available hmm. and, and, and and it requires intention by the way this is one of those overlaps things this is not just applicable for pastors hmm. this is this is how ministry works among Christians right like Intellectually caring about someone is very, very different than actually caring about someone. Feeling compassion for a person is radically different than acting compassionately. And sometimes we just get stuck on the feeling. Well, I love these people. I love my people. I do. I love my people. Right. Now, what are you doing? Or I love my family. Or I love this person. Or I love that person. Great. What are you doing? Because love is a do thing, not just a feel thing. And that's what Baxter is saying. It's one thing to preach a sermon about the dangers of sin. It is something entirely different to sit down with someone one-on-one and beg and plead and weep with them to turn from their sin. Because one of those things doesn't really require much of me, and the other one requires all of me. Mm. And that's what we're unwilling to give in ministry often. We're unwilling to give ourselves. I'll give you my words. I'll give you some of my time. I'll give you... I'll give you a lot of my thoughts, definitely give you my opinion, but I'm far less willing to give you me. And that's, that is what is required to do ministry. Hmm. Real ministry, like Baxter's talking about. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we went over. We won't charge you extra <laughs> for the extra time that we took today in this section. Yeah. But this, I think these two points that we've done probably been my favorite little part like I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed this this idea of here are the people that require extra care mm-hmm. you know um, because so far the people that he's listed that have required extra care are almost never the people that actually ask for it mm. you know? yeah because I mean he makes it a point to say like we need to be we need to be willing to take the trouble we should draw it upon ourselves yeah. inviting them to come yeah you know that he 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 puts forth this idea of we need to be encouraging our people right. to seek counsel from us, not right. just not just waiting for them to come and seek it, right. but actually encouraging them to come to us yes. and seek counsel from us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a good section. Okay, friends. Well, David, any final thoughts? No, can't wait till next time. He's not done with this list. I know we've still got more on the list, which is mm-hmm. awesome. So. Friends, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you would, whatever uh, whatever outlet you're listening to this podcast on, if they leave you the opportunity, to give you the opportunity to do a review, would you mind just giving us a review? You don't even have to give it. I, I, you know, if you don't like it, you give one star. It'd be all right. Mm-hmm. We're okay with that. But if you love it, five stars, that'd be great. Whatever. However the star system works. But if you could just write some reviews, helps us in terms of getting new traffic. We'd really appreciate that. All right. We will catch you next time. Books by Old Dead Guys. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Goodbye.